What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is also the latest installment, the Locked on Blazers 2019-2020 season wrap-up. We're dedicating a full episode to every player on the roster and giving you a brief but thorough look at their season in Portland. We'll look at their performance this past season, review where they landed in terms of the best case and worst case scenarios that I laid out way back September 2019, a year ago, the start of training camp. And finally, in the third segment, we'll close the show looking ahead to the upcoming season and the role and expectations for when the NBA returns likely in 2021. This is our eighth installment of the season wrap-up, so if you've missed any, check your podcast feed and start catching up today. For today's episode, we're focusing on the Bosnian beast, Yusef Nurkic. Before the season started, Neil Olshay tried to implore all of us, the Portland media, the larger Blazer community, you dear listener, me, your sweet podcaster, to not start Nurk Watch. But we all know it was inevitable. The Blazers had a young center, a franchise cornerstone, working his way back from a gruesome leg injury that he sustained in March of 2019, and his return was the biggest story of the season. It would have been the biggest story of the season if the Blazers were a top-flight playoff team, and it certainly became the biggest story of the season once they were clearly stuck scrambling for that final postseason spot. So, of course, Neil Olshay didn't get his wish. Nurkwatch you know, started in training camp because it never was called off. Everyone was waiting for Nurk to return. And as he was ramping up his comeback, he started had on-court program, doing more workouts, and he sustained a calf strain in his left leg in late January during one of his first full practice sessions back on the court. Uh, It was reported maybe at the time that it was his first session back, but I'm under the impression from some reporting I've done that he had been in two or three, and by Early on in these full court sessions, he sustained a calf injury, strained his calf, and it was a setback that delayed his turn his return from right after the All-Star break, which had been the, the target, rumored, February, and then very clearly right after the All-Star break, to, quote, sometime in March. And finally, 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 sometime in March had a specific date. Nurk was set to return March 15th. It's going to be a matinee game Sunday afternoon at home against the Houston Rockets on national TV. But the season was suspended on March 11th, and Nurk's return was delayed another four months. So when Nurk finally did return, when he finally came back some 16 months after sustaining multiple fractures in his left leg, well, it was really good. In his debut on July 31st against Memphis Grizzlies, he had 18 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 6 blocks, in 33 minutes of an overtime win over Memphis. A tone setter for the Blazers' run in the bubble and also a game that the Blazers basically had to win in order to get in the playoffs. Nurk was a huge, huge part of that. So what did he do? Well, he followed that up with 30 points and 9 rebounds in game against Boston. The Blazers nearly came back and won after trailing by 24. Then he had 18 and 19 in a win over Houston, punishing the small ball Rockets by being a giant person. Overall, he averaged 17.6 points, 10.3 rebounds, 4.0 assists, 1.4 steals and 2.0 blocks. I'm reading a lot of box score numbers because Nurk was filling it out. He played 31.6 minutes a game across the eight seeding games all starts. Nurk had a monster game one in the playoffs too. 16 points and 15 rebounds against the Lakers, but in general that Los Angeles team was a tough matchup and is a tough matchup for Yusuf Nurkic. They have enough size to make life hard on him and enough Anthony Davis's to make his job exhausting on both ends. 
For the postseason, Nurk averaged 14 points, 10 rebounds, but he shot under 44% from the floor compared to the 50% he shot during the seeding games. He was just way less efficient. Nurk's return, however brief, in the eight seeding games, the play-in game against Memphis, the, the five playoff games, however brief that was, was a reminder of how good he can be when he's on the court and how much better the Blazers are when they have a, a center that does what he does. He's big and takes up a ton of space playing smart defense. He's aggressive on the boards, and his passing ability on offense changes who they can be. Nurk's role in his return was a reminder that just by being on the court, he raises the Blazers from mediocre to genuinely good. Does he make them immediately a championship threat? Probably not. But he takes their ceiling and raises it so much and so consistently that it's clear he's the second most important player on the team. I don't know if he's the second best player skill-wise. That still might belong to C.J. McCollum. But in terms of impact on winning, Yusuf Nurkic is the second most important player on the roster. Only Damian Lillard, the franchise cornerstone, and for my money, the best player in franchise history, is more important to this team's success, both in the near and long term, than Yusuf Nurkic. His 2019-2020 season was a reminder both on the court, like I've laid out here for you, and off the court. The drop-off to Yusuf Nurkic, one of the, you know, 10 best centers in the NBA, to Hassan Whiteside, a middling giant person, was stark. While Whiteside put up crazy box score numbers and occasionally had impactful games, the Blazers were never elite with just Whiteside on the court. Now, that has a lot to do with the lack of depth. If you look at uh, Whiteside's on-off numbers, man, he was good, and the people who were not Hassan Whiteside playing center were terrible. So I'm not just saying that Nurk is just like mountains better than Whiteside here. While I do believe Yusuf Nurkic is much better than Hassan Whiteside, the point of this whole thing is that what Nurk does on both ends elevates a team. The passing, the defense, all the stuff, the box score numbers, he, like I said, he fills them up, but he fills them up and impacts winning. He's a dude who helps this team win, and he, his chemistry with Damian Lillard sets this team apart on offense. They all of a sudden go from a team that can always be an above-average offense just because they've got two dudes who can go score pretty much against anyone to a team with the potentially the best pick-and-roll duo in the league, or at least a pick-and-roll duo that's going to be in the conversation for what is the best pick-and-roll duo in the league every single night. 2019-2020 was a reminder of how Nurk changes our opinions, our feelings, and our expectations for this franchise. What I want to do in the second segment is revisit what we thought about Nurk heading into this season. Obviously, he was going to miss a ton of time, and... I Back in September 2019, heading into training camp, I did these player capsules and with the best case and worst case scenario for everyone on the roster. And I did one for Yusuf Nurkic, kind of looking ahead to what his return might look like and what our expectations were for Nurk at the time. What would the best case scenario Nurk look like and the worst case scenario Nurk look like after returning for what at the time looked like probably a year off. So that's what we'll do in the second segment. But before we get to those best case and worst case scenarios... I want to tell y'all about DoorDash. Y'all know DoorDash? It's the app that brings the food you're craving to your door right now. Ordering is easy. All you do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. And if you're craving it, chances are it's on DoorDash right now because they've got over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia so you can support your local go-tos. 
or your favorite chains. You're craving something from a big national restaurant or a mom and pop shop. They're both available on DoorDash. Right now, my listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA one more time so you don't forget. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right. So we rolled through Yusuf Nurkic's 2019-2020 season. Eight regular season games, a play-in game against Memphis, five playoff games against the Los Angeles Lakers. It was brief, but enjoyable. But now I want to look back to look forward. Let's rewind that clock back to September 2019, heading into training camp of last season. I put out these best and worst case scenarios for every player in the roster. I laid one out for Yusuf Nurkic, looking at a man that was facing a long road back to being on the court and what his best case and worst case scenarios might be like as he tried to get back there. So let's take a listen to what Michael from the past had to say about Yusuf Nurkic way back when, a whole 370 days ago. So what's the best case scenario for Yusuf Nurkic? It's that he's ready to go after the All-Star break and he resembles something of what he was last year. And what he was last year, in my mind, was one of the 30 best players in the NBA. He was an elite defensive player, a really, really smart offensive player. He had 19 games last year. We had five or more assists. He was a huge cog in that pick and roll for the Blazers. And on the other end, he was a space eater, a rebounder, and someone who really fit into Terry Stotts' system. So the best case for Yusuf Nurkic is that when he comes back, And I'm saying after the All-Star break because I don't think early February he's going to get going right away. So the best case scenario is that that second half of February, March and April, and into the playoffs, that Yusuf Nurkic looks like the Yusuf Nurkic you saw last season. Maybe it's in small doses, 15 minutes here, 17 minutes here, ramping up to 22 and 25 and playing closing important closing minutes and picking his spots where he can be as good as he, he has been. But the best case for Yusuf Nurkic is that this isn't a lost season. This is a season where, sure, he misses 60 games, but he plays when it matters and he contributes at a really high level. The best case for Yusuf Nurkic is that early on, he's the best backup center in the NBA when he returns. There's no better backup center in the league and it isn't close. He's a dominant force off the bench in small minutes. And the best case scenario is that eventually he transitions to being a starting force. What that means with Hassan Whiteside, we'll have to figure out when we get there. But the best case for Yusuf Nurkic is that he's ready to go and he ramps up into being the player that you know he can be if you've watched him play. The worst case for Yusuf Nurkic is simple. It's that this is a lost season. It's that a serious leg injury, multiple fractures in his leg, holding up a 300-pound frame for a guy that has had a handful of uh, conditioning issues over the years is just too much to come back from. And he can't get all the way back to what he was, and he needs more time. The worst case for Yusuf Nurkic is that he never becomes that best backup center in the league because 
he's just not ready to be an NBA player in February. And he's not ready to be there in March either. And he's not quite ready in April. And then when the games really matter in the playoffs, it's uncomfortable turning it over to a guy who's still finding himself and finding his wind and getting back into the condition that it takes to play basketball at the highest level. The worst case for Yusuf Nurkic is that the 2019 or 2020-2021 season is the first time that we really get a chance to see what he can be like post-injury. We just never get a glimpse. He's not ready either for health reasons or for conditioning reasons or, or any number of things. It's that this injury actually does take more time than the 11-month timeline that he needs. And really to get back to playing basketball at the highest level, he needs more like 15 months. And the Blazers just don't have 15 months to give him. It's just the way time works. The worst case for Yusuf Nurkic is that, like last year, he spends part of the playoffs wearing novelty t-shirts and being a really big fan. And by really big, I mean like 7 feet, 300 pounds, and also an enthusiast. The worst case for Yusuf Nurkic is just a believable thing that happens to people who get injured, and is that it takes them a long time to get back to what they were. Thank you, Michael, from the past. Let's just say, who could have foreseen a global pandemic that would have changed our lives likely forever and delayed a Yusuf Nurkic return for full months? Certainly not me back in 2019. And with that caveat aside, I'd say that Yusuf Nurkic hit his best case scenario and surpassed it. In large part, probably because of that four-month break, if Yusuf Nurkic comes back on March 15th like he was scheduled, you would assume he comes back as a backup. He comes back on a minutes restriction. He, You know, they ramp him back up and get him going. But after he had four months off and all that extra time to train, he was fully healed, well beyond what a reasonable timeline to return from that type of injury was. And he had a ton of time to be on the court and get his body right, like his cardio right and all those physical things that you need to do in order to play big NBA minutes. So when he came back, all of a sudden he's playing 33 minutes a night like like I said he played 33 minutes in his debut 16 months after the uh after sustaining that injury he he was back and ready to go so I he didn't he hit the best case scenario because of some unforeseen circumstances because of all the unforeseen circumstances that impacted all of us in different ways but in some ways they were positive for Yusuf Nurkic because he gave him that window to get ready and be back and when he was back he was fantastic immediately he didn't even come close to touching the worst case scenarios that I laid out there, the worst case scenario that I laid out there, because he, it wasn't like he wasn't ready. He was afforded a bunch of extra time and there was no, there was no fake in it. The Blazers said he's a, when he gets on the court, he's a starting center. He's going to play a ton of minutes, no minutes restriction, lids off, let's go, governor's off, let's, let's put, let's floor this bad boy. And he was great. Yusuf Nurkic hit his much like Gary Trent Jr., Yusuf Nurkic surpassed his best-case scenario. I think they're the only two players on the roster this year that when I laid out these, I tried to make them, uh, the cop, the tagline at the time was within reason and without injury. Yusuf Nurkic had to have injury baked in because it's part of the story, but I tried to make these reasonable best-case scenarios so guys would, you'd say, man, he was really good, and you could point back to these best-case scenarios like I'm doing now and say, yeah, this is kind of what we thought best-case scenario would be for him. But Gary Trent Jr. surpassed that, and Yusuf Nurkic, undeniably due to the hiatus, but but certainly everyone was impacted by it, and it just happened to be a positive for Nurk. But Nurk sailed past what I had considered at the time to be his best-case scenario. All right, in the third segment, let's close out the show and look ahead. We've looked back. We looked at 2019-2020. We looked at what we thought about heading into this very season. Now let's look ahead. 
to next year. The 2021 NBA season and our expectations for Yusuf Nurkic. But before we get there, before we talk about Yusuf Nurkic in the future, I want to tell y'all about the present of protein bars. That's right, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors. The 12 original ones you know and love and 6 new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barstia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. And all those delicious new flavors, much like their original 12, are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. You've tried other protein bars before, or if you have, you know they can be kind of chalky and dry. That's not what these are. These are delicious. They sent your boy some. I enjoy them. My family enjoys them. We enjoy them because they're delicious and because they are a healthy option. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Get your family some of these bars. Get yourself some of these bars. Do that by going to builtbar.com and using the promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's a promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N, for $10 off at builtbar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Lockdown Blazers, and we're still talking about Yusuf Nurkic. We looked back at his 2019-2020 NBA season. We looked back at our best-case and worst-case scenarios, and boy, howdy, did Nurk surpass my expectations in 2019. But now I want to look ahead. Enough looking back. It's time to look into the future. Yusuf Nurkic has two years remaining on a contract he signed in 2018, a four-year, $48 million extension. It's going to make $12.8 million in 2021, or the 2021 season, because it sounds like the year is going to start in January and be finished off in one calendar year. Think about $12.8 million, followed by $12 million in the 21-22 season. The contract stuff doesn't matter other than to say, <laughs> Nurk's on a pretty good deal. That's a very... That's a, a, that's a team-friendly deal for someone who's very good at basketball. But I don't want to talk about Yusuf Nurkin's paycheck or his bank account. I frankly do not care. What I care about is roles and expectations for next season. Now, his role is simple. We will not get too far into this. Yusuf Nurkic, this may come as a surprise to you, is going to be the Blazers' starting center. Yusuf Nurkic has started every single game of his Blazers' career. Actually, that's not true. He didn't start his uh, his team debut against Utah way back when, before the All-Star break when he was acquired in 2017. But he's, he's the starting center. It's what he's going to do. He's going to start for this team. They're going to build around the triumvirate of Dame, CJ, and Yusuf Nurkic. So the expectations for Nurk, I don't think they really change. They need, he needs to be the anchor of a defense when the Blazers need to be... I don't even... I, I'm going to set my expectations relatively low, but I think Nurkic needs to anchor a defense that is league average. I'm talking somewhere between 13th and 16th in defensive rating. They have to be an average defense. That's my expectation for Nurk, anchor an average defense. And the other expectation is continue to build that chemistry with Damian Lillard, a potent pick-and-roll attack and dribble handoff attack that allows the Blazers to you leverage their best player with their second most impactful player and put big slow dudes in pick and rolls. Can't guard Nurk with a little guy, he'll punish you on the block. And putting Dame in a bunch of pick and rolls, one of the best high volume pick and roll players in the league, is a real weapon. My expectation is that Yusuf Nurkic continues to be really good at that and the team builds on that going forward. 
My other expectation for Nurk is one that is quietly baked into his contract. Nurk gets an extra $1.25 million. If he plays in 70 games and the Port- and the Blazers win 50 on the year. So I said I wasn't going to be watching this dude's wallet, and that's not what I'm doing. I'm not getting excited for Yusuf Nurkic's wallet growing. What I'm getting excited for is that the Blazers and Nurk's agent understand the score of the game. He has to be available to be impactful. The best ability is availability. When Nurk plays, he's awesome. And the Blazers need him on the court for 70 games. Now, it's unclear exactly how many games the the NBA is going to play. Sounds like they want to play a full 82. Sounds like they want to have sort of a January into the fall type of season next year. And they'll play their full season, play their full playoffs. It will be a different time of year, but it'll look relatively similar to what we're used to. It'll feel a little bit different, quite frankly, but it'll look similar. If they play 82 games, that's what the Blazers need. They need to push towards 50 wins, and they need Nurk on the court for 70 of them. Now, I'm, my expectation isn't like, you have to stay healthy. I just I just know in my heart, the same way you know in your hearts, that if the Blazers are going to be good, Nurk has to be available and has to be healthy. He's had a bunch of different ailments over the years that have kept him out of games and kept him out of the lineup at the most important time of the year. If the Blazers are going to be good, they need him healthy. Simple as that. That's my expectation for Yusuf Nurkic. I have no way to know any, what anyone's body will do, but I think more than others, a big, you know, a 300-pound seven-footer staying healthy is maybe like easier to identify as a health need than other players, particularly one with an injury history. The Blazers need Nurk to play. My expectation is that he'll be ready to go. Maybe expectation is the wrong word there. My hope is that he's ready to go. It's better when guys are healthy. Everyone, all basketball players are better when they're healthy, more enjoyable when they're on the court. That's my hot take. We'll close it there with that fiery one. It's better when dudes don't get hurt. Like I said at the top of the show, this is our seventh player capsule, our seventh season wrap-up where we've looked back at every player, uh, players on the roster and then looked forward to what their expectations are for next season. It's a great place to jump in. So share this podcast with your friends and say, hey, get caught up on the season. Remember what happened and look ahead to what might happen next with this great podcast called Locked on Blazers. It's available wherever you already get podcasts. We got Mailbag Monday and more season wrap-ups coming this week. And I got a couple interviews on tap. We'll be joined by some guests later this week and into next week. So look forward to that. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, you can email me LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com with a question or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Watch my Twitter account, Mike G. Rich, on Monday mornings, 9 a.m. Pacific, roughly West Coast time, when I'll send out a call, a tweet rather, soliciting your questions. Respond there. We'll get you in the show. We do a mailbag Monday each week. We're going to keep rolling through these season wrap-ups. The NBA season is on hold, or it's the Blazers season is in the offseason, but Lockdown Blazers doesn't have no freaking offseason. We keep it rolling. So that's what we're going to do. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.